0: KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.
1: Nya. Yeah.
2: Chib. Casa. La maison. Nya yeah, cửa. Home. What do we mean when we say we're home? It can be the place you grew up, where you raised your family, the place your friends gather, a place you only sleep at, or even the dog that never leaves your side. Home can have as many meanings as there are ways of saying it. But on March 19th, 2020, home quickly came to mean one thing for Californians lucky enough to be housed, shelter and safety from COVID-19.
3: We direct a statewide order for people to stay at home.
2: In the weeks and months that followed, the state and federal government enacted a series of laws and programs to keep people housed. As the economy ground to a standstill, and unemployment in California soared, eviction protections, and then rental assistance programs sought to help renters and landlords.
0: If you don't have a home, where are you going to rest?
2: Ramon Toscano and his wife, Cristina, have lived in their two-bedroom Vista apartment for the past six years. Together with their six children, who range in age from 12 years old to an infant that's just a few months old, and Cristina's mother, they have made the small apartment their home. (laughs) Before the pandemic, Ramon worked 30 to 40 hours a week as a day laborer. And he made it work. It could and did get tight by the time the end of the month came around. Paying over $1,700 rent on top of electricity, internet, and feeding growing kids wasn't easy. But he paid his bills. When the pandemic hit and shelter-in-place was enforced in California, though, the work quickly dried up, and Ramon was scared to venture out.
0: Even I was afraid to go out. I saw on TV that people were dying and how things were going. And, well, even I was afraid.
2: As the months passed without work, it started to get harder to pay rent. Finally, in June 2021, Ramon got rental assistance from the county to pay all his back rent. When things began to open up again, Ramon began to pick up work. But then, Cristina, who was pregnant with their baby, began to feel sick. Her blood pressure spiked and she was put on bed rest. These days, in order to help Cristina with the newborn and their other five children, Ramon stays home during the week. There's no money for childcare, and Cristina, she can't do it alone.
4: Whatever the problem, I know my husband is with me and that he will help me get ahead. He is the one that has helped me. He's the one that's taken care of me.
2: Ramon goes out on the weekends to pick up jobs, but all the money he makes goes to food and other bills. He now owes rent for July through October. It's never been this tight before.
0: We've struggled to pay rent before, but not like this, where I stick my hand in my pocket and there's not even a single coin.
2: And he's worried. It's the kind of worry that sits heavy on his shoulders. What happens if he doesn't get rental assistance? Or if the funds dry up. I'm Christina Kim, KPBS's Race and Equity Reporter. And on this special two part series of KPBS Investigates, we're taking a closer look at evictions and the efforts to keep people housed here in San Diego County. We'll talk about what worked. Who fell through the cracks? And what's next for the region's renters and landlords as housing becomes increasingly more expensive and protections evaporate? That's happening next after a quick break. Stay with us.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by U.C. San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, shaping the next generation of data-driven problem solvers. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from U.C. San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.
2: Ramon looks thinner and more tired than when we talked just a few months ago. The statewide eviction ban ended in late September, and now he and his family are more vulnerable than ever. It's something his landlord was quick to remind him.
1: You know, the manager and the supervisor recordar nos que ya, pues, prácticamente que ya no teníamos protección, pues, qué qué íbamos a hacer.
0: The manager and the supervisor came to remind us that practically we don't have protection. You know, they wanted to see what we were going to do.
1: We were, nosotros ya sabiendo, pero, o sea, nos vino a recordar por si no, no sabíamos, no. We
0: already knew, but they came to remind us in case we didn't.
2: As we sit on the couch, mere hours after his landlord's visit, Ramon is trying to think through what comes next.
1: No, but no tengo plan B. O a sea, no. o sea, pues, un acuerdo con los managers, y, y
0: a pagar. I don't have a plan B to be honest. Maybe I can reach an agreement
1: with the landlords and start paying. Pero por el momento no. Solamente estamos esperanzados ahí que nos puedan volver a ayudar. But
0: for now, we're just hoping we can get help again.
2: He's already applied for more rental assistance and is keeping track of the application. For now, he's got a place to stay, but like so many other tenants across San Diego County, the worries continue. At the height of the pandemic, tenant protections were a sometimes confusing patchwork of local, state, and federal policies all working in conjunction. But they all shared the same goal, staving off an avalanche of evictions the
5: white house and the cdc announced a major eviction moratorium president trump signing an executive order giving the cdc broad authority to ban
6: nationwide evictions.
0: the centers
3: for disease control and prevention just issued a new federal moratorium on eviction state and local governments have distributed just 11 percent of the 46 billion dollars the money is getting out much too slowly and it
5: may
2: not reach many of these families in time There was a lot happening, and it was hard to keep track of it all. I remember speaking to Ann Orshea, a tenant in Los Angeles, in September 2020. She told me keeping track of everything was overwhelming. You know, because there are all these different dates floating around and things are changing, like, it can become a full-time job to kind of sort through what the law is today. So let's do a quick breakdown. The federal government had a series of eviction protections that lasted until August 2021. Meanwhile, the state of California and San Diego County also enacted a series of protections, including an eviction ban that was extended twice. Add to that rental assistance programs, which provide money to landlords and tenants to keep people housed. It was a lot to keep track of. Now, nearly two years after the California shelter-in-place order was first issued, we're trying to make sense of where we are now and what actually worked. There were so many moving parts and different institutions overseeing the various programs. It wasn't always an easy or clear road. And some tenants still found themselves locked out. Gabriel Guthman. A veteran and father from Chula Vista is sifting through a box filled with stacks of paper. Over the past year, he's documented and kept everything that's happened to his family since the unexpected happened.
7: On the 23rd of September, they filed for an unlawful detainer. And he had given, gone, the owner had gone on and on how he really appreciated veterans, what we did for this country. And, and then he did that.
2: An unlawful detainer. In other words, he was evicted in the midst of the pandemic, something that totally caught him and his family off guard. The lease on their Chula Vista apartment had expired just a few weeks earlier, but Gabriel had been working with the landlord to extend it and was waiting on his unemployment to kick in in order to pay his rent. He tried to fight the eviction in court, spending money he didn't have to hire a lawyer. In the end, though, it didn't matter. Despite all the protections, Gabriel's lease was up. They lost the battle and on December 15th, 10 days before Christmas, Gabriel, his wife, and their three children were homeless.
7: And so we were actually out, of, out without a place for a month and that was really scary and a lot of anxiety uh, attached to that. And even my youngest daughter, my three-year-old, would always ask, when we were going home, she's like, "I go home," and she would cry. And even now, um, she'll go from her room at night and cry, cry into ours, and kind of check she, whether we're there, or we're in the same place. And so we don't know what the long-term effects are going to be on uh, all three of my kids.
2: Gabriel never thought he'd find himself looking for a new place during a pandemic with no job. His once easy smile and gregarious laugh now have an edge of weariness he can't shake.
7: I felt bad for my kids. I felt that I had let my kids down as a man, being able to support them and keep, them, keep a roof on uh, over their head. As a veteran, I also was very upset because I would given uh, a total of nine years to this country
2: he was able to find a new place, but his stepdaughter, who's in a wheelchair, is staying with her grandmother because the apartment they're living in now has stairs. Gabriel says that as a veteran, he was used to taking care of himself. He never applied for rental assistance, even though he would have qualified.
7: I always felt that I would rebound and I, would, I always felt like, you know what, let people that really need it use it. Because when, you know, when you think you need or you're in a bad situation, there's always someone else that needs it more than you do. So we just thought it was the right thing to do. We said, no, I think we can we can make it through this without getting assistance. Let people, other people have access to it.
2: And he wasn't the only one hesitant to apply for rental assistance when it first became available. Many people didn't know the funds existed or if they did, they were wary of them. Money with no strings attached seemed like too good of a deal. The state, county, and city had to devise whole systems to distribute the money, while community groups worked to get the word out. These days, the programs are working a lot better, and as long as assistance funds are available, tenants and landlords can use them to pay 100% of back and even future rent. And landlords cannot evict tenants for non-payment of rent if they can show they've applied for rental assistance. But for some mom-and-pop landlords, these continued protections are problematic and feel uneven.
5: I'm seeing my savings dwindle and my credit card debt rise. I'm feeling afraid and hopeless about the situation.
2: Landlords like Katie, who doesn't want us to use her last name because she's afraid it might impact her small business. She never thought she would be both a landlord and a tenant.
5: I purchased a condo, and I lived there for about five years. And then I had just kind of gotten tired of the area. You know, it's it's a very urban area, a lot of density. So I really had a longing for something that was a little more spacious. And so I rented out my condo, found a place that I had loved that was, you know, just much more peaceful.
2: Katie moved out and had a good run of tenants for a while. Then in June 2019, a new tenant moved in. She had issues with her pretty quickly. She was late on rent, didn't get her rental insurance, and Katie's pretty sure she has a dog, even though she's not supposed to. Then COVID came. And while her tenant still had a job, she eventually stopped paying rent.
5: She managed to pay rent all the way through the end of September of 2020. It was late a lot. She at one point made the money order out to herself instead of me and then subsequently lost the mailbox keys. So there was um, a lot of complexity with, with what was going on.
2: Katie got some money through a city rental relief program that goes to landlords and her tenant got rental assistance to pay back rent. They both have applications into the city for more funds, but as they wait to hear back, Katie feels stuck. She can't evict her tenant, but she isn't collecting the rent.
5: As of November 1st, my tenant will owe over $7,000 in back rent. She has not resumed paying rent, and I don't have any reason to think that she will in November. This is despite having reason to believe that she's
2: employed. As she waits to hear if she's been approved for more city funds, Katie still has to pay rent on her own home, plus fees for the condo she's renting.
5: Without information about whether rent relief applications will be kept in limbo indefinitely, I can't make a good choice for myself about whether I should be thinking about moving into the condo or selling it.
2: Katie says with all of this stress, whenever she finally gets things sorted out, she will just put the condo into property management. They'll raise the rent, which Katie feels bad about, But she doesn't want to deal with this hassle anymore. The past year and a half hasn't been easy for landlords like Katie or for tenants like Ramon or Gabriel. And now, as we hopefully come out of the darkest part of the pandemic and society begins to open up, we're left wondering, what did all these millions of dollars in relief achieve? We asked Marley Kirkland. She's a spokesperson for the Southern California Rental Housing Association, which represents landlords.
3: I think it's made a a hefty impact in our region specifically the San Diego region has fared way better than lots of other parts of the country where in some cases uh, they weren't successfully able to get any money out and they've had their programs kind of taken away from them so San Diego is really kind of a model for emergency rental assistance and again you know nothing's perfect but we're really proud of our local ERAP programs.
2: The Housing Association recently commissioned a study on how landlords fared during the pandemic.
3: Our study showed that about $2.4 billion in lost rent for San Diego area housing providers. And this goes back to about March of 2020, or, you know, when the pandemic kind of started.
2: Molly says eviction bans led to some abuses, like what we heard from Katie, but she understands why they were put in place. Moving forward, she wants to see some of the pandemic programs continue.
3: There's a need for some sort of permanent form of rental assistance out there because, you know, it shouldn't necessarily take a pandemic to highlight how the loss of a job can impact you for a few months. This happens outside of pandemic times.
2: Looking back, even though tenants like Gabriel slipped through the cracks and were still evicted, We now know the eviction bans and rental assistance have kept thousands of families safe in their homes. The number of unlawful detainers or evictions filed in the San Diego County Superior Court dropped 62% from 2019 to 2020, according to records obtained by ACE, a local tenants group. Legal Aid Society of San Diego, which handles a lot of local eviction cases, said the demand for their services dropped when county and state protections were in place. But now that the protections are largely gone, the number of calls are on the rise again.
3: And so if we're having hundreds of thousands of families who can't pay the rent and are being evicted for non-payment of rent, they're not only gonna be suffer housing instability, it's gonna be difficult for them to rent again.
2: Gilberto Vera is the senior attorney for the housing team at the Legal Aid Society of San Diego. He's expecting an increase in eviction filings in December, which will affect tenants for years to come.
3: One, they could have an eviction on the record. Two, they're going to get a negative reference, likely from the landlord who is evicting them. And then three, they're going to be saddled with thousands of dollars of rental debt to their current landlord when they do eventually move. So it's it's going to make it not only hard to find housing, but it's going to impact their credit for years.
2: If the eviction cliff that so many have warned about is drawing closer, we are now standing on the edge looking down. And that's definitely taking a toll on families like Ramon and Cristina in Vista. The constant threat of eviction, of not knowing what's going to happen the next day. Cristina says it impacted her pregnancy.
6: Todo el estrés, yo pienso que fue lo que me llevó a a tener la presión alta durante el embarazo, porque los uh, embarazos anteriores.
4: All the stress, I think it's what caused me to have blood pressure during my pregnancy, because in all my former pregnancies, I never had high blood pressure.
6: My
4: son would come and say, Yeah, yeah, don't cry, mommy. And I would tell my husband, I don't know what's going on with me. And she
2: says the stress is also impacting Ramon.
4: I know that he has a lot of pressure and I admire him because he's never come to me and said, I can't do it anymore. I just see that he locks himself in the bathroom and there he's alone.
2: The past few months are catching up on Ramon he chokes up remembering how he had to collect cans and glass in order to make enough money to pay for gas to take Christina to her doctor's appointment but through the tears his determination shines through there's no other option but to keep going for Christina and his kids
1: Pero, como le digo, no No me tengo que dejar caer por los niños, ¿me entiendes? Porque ellos no saben. Tenemos que echar ganas y salir adelante, ¿no?
0: Pero like I'm telling you, I can't get down because the kids, they don't know. We gotta keep trying and get ahead, ¿no?
1: Pero pues ahí estamos, vamos echando ganas, ¿me entiendes? Más que nada por la niña, que pues como le digo, ellos no saben nada por lo que estamos pasando, ¿ah?
0: Well, here we are trying our hardest. More than anything, we're doing it for the kids. Like I said, they don't know what's going on. But we have to keep trying for them and keep fighting until the end and stay here.
2: Ramon is waiting to hear back if he will receive rental assistance for the back rent he owes for the summer and possible future rent. That's all he and other California tenants have left in terms of protections. But he doesn't know how much longer he can wait. Some of Christina's friends just moved to Kansas. And now she and Ramon are thinking that they might try and move out there, too, where it's cheaper, where there's a job waiting and where they can get a house, even if it's far from home. On the next episode of this special KPBS Investigates on Evictions, what happens when San Diegans are forced to leave? There's so many people still here and they can't find a place.
4: But there's too many people here now that are still looking for a place. Still.
2: We take a closer look at what's happening in San Diego as rental and housing prices continue to climb and more and more people are at risk of evictions. This special KPBS Investigates episode was written, reported, and hosted by Ni, Christina Kim, and Claire Trageser. Rebecca Chacon and Mike Damron helped with the sound. Kinsey Moreland and Elisa Barba helped produce and edit the show. And Emily Jankowski did the sound design. If you think stories like this one are important and you want to keep hearing them, consider supporting KPBS by becoming a member. Go to kpbs.org and look for the blue Give Now button. Thanks so much for listening.